Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another episode of The Standard is the Standard. And you might be saying, where's Lance? Who's where, Where's the other guy? You know, <laughs> Lance will be joining me. He is in traffic as he's on his way home from work. Remember, he lives in California. Meanwhile, I'm on the East Coast. So for me, it's after 9 p.m. And for a lot of people watching live, it's 9 p.m. as well. And so here we are. I decided that instead of waiting around for Lance, Lance is going to join me shortly. I'd like to take some questions from you, the viewer, the listener, the people that subscribe to our channel that we really, really appreciate, um, and answer some questions because this week has been absolutely crazy um, for a lot of different reasons, and a lot of those are obvious. But you know, for someone that runs a website and whose job is not completely dictated on traffic, but a traffic <laughs> it pays the bills with advertising and things like that. So when Vox Media and SB Nation are looking at my site, they're saying, okay, what are your traffic numbers like? We look at last year, we look at this year. Anyways, when the Steelers lose in week two, I'm thinking, man, this is lousy. This is lousy because no one's going to want to read about the Steelers except for those diehard fans that are always going to read no matter what. Uh, and not only that, they lose Ben Roethlisberger, but... Boy, we had some saving grace, and they're already talking about it in the live chat. We had some saving graces this year, this season, this week two, going into week three, and that would be the Steelers think that they may have found something with Mason Rudolph, and they make that huge trade for Minka Fitzpatrick from the Miami Dolphins. So first and foremost, let me talk quickly about Mason Rudolph. Um, I'm not saying that Mason Rudolph is the future, but for the first time in a really long time, myself, and I think a lot of Steeler fans can attest that they have this strange excitement about the team. It's, it's weird. We haven't felt like this in a long time. And it's one of those situations where, I don't know, you're, you're thinking about, I, I guess for me, I can't speak for everyone on this topic. Feel free to chime in in the live chat. I'm not so concerned about the outcome of the game. I want them to win. Trust me, I'm rooting for them to win. But I just want to see what these guys can do because it's like a whole different team now. The offensive line is still there. The defensive line is still there. But my goodness, other than that, this is a young football team. Mason Rudolph, James Conner, Benny Snell Jr., Jalen Samuels, Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, uh, James Washington. I can continue to run down all the things and all the aspects of this team that make them a really interesting watch for the next 14 weeks. And I'm saying that they could, they could lose this week and they could lose the next week. And I would still tune in no matter what, because I'm excited about seeing what this team has and they might struggle a little bit this year. And there's going to be some growing pains with Mason Rudolph, but the same thing is for me that there is an excitement there. You go out and then you trade and get, Minka and uh, Mason and Minka. I like that for some reason. It just kind of has that as an, as a website editor, as a search engine guy, it's like Minka and Mason. That's got a ring to it. That might be a t-shirt here in a bit, but nonetheless you get Minka Fitzpatrick. And it's, it's one of those situations where I remember, I remember reading up on him when he was coming out of Alabama and he was tremendous. I remember talking to a good friend of mine who I play softball with, who's a huge Dolphins fan. And I said, man, you have got a tremendous player in that first round by drafting Fitzpatrick. And he's like, man, we're really excited about him. And I said, you should be. 
Never in my wildest dreams would I think that the Steelers would somehow obtain him. And a lot of people uh, read the article that I wrote the day after the trade uh, happened, and I got really sick and tired. You know, I, I go to the gym every morning, really into fitness. If you want to talk about that, you can find me on Instagram. But still, I, I was in the locker room getting dressed for work, and I see on ESPN, I'm like, man, these talking heads have it all wrong. All they keep talking about is chastising the Steelers because the same day that Ben Roethlisberger hurt his elbows, the same day they go out and send a first-round pick in 2020 to the Miami Dolphins for Fitzpatrick, and it's not going to do anything this year. And I'm thinking, how short-sighted are these people? And so I just put it behind. I got to get to work. So I get in the car, driving to work, listening to. I, I'm I'm obviously work. <laughs> Thanks, Jared Devil, by the way. <laughs> um, I'm driving to work. I'm listening to Sports Talk Radio, and these talking heads still have it wrong. It's a different channel altogether, and they have it wrong. They're talking about the same exact thing. I'm thinking, holy cow, people, look at the long term effects. What I'm talking about is the fact that they didn't. This isn't a rental player. Even Ed Bouchette, now the Athletic, formerly of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, and I had to do this. I hate doing this to the beat writers, but he wrote how it was a stupid trade on Twitter. And I had to quote tweet it and say, this isn't a one-year rental player. This is not baseball where at the trade deadline, you draft, you trade for a player who you're only going to have for the rest of that season. And then they're going to become a free agent. This is a situation where they're going to have Mika Fitzpatrick for this year, 14 games, and they're going to have him for the next year and the next year. And then they'll pick up his fifth year option. He's only a second year player. Now, a lot of people have asked in the live chat, do I think he's going to be a a playmaker. Absolutely. Will it happen this Sunday? Don't get your hopes up. He is being thrust into the free safety position because of the injury to Sean Davis, but he will make plays. He is a smart player. He is an impactful player. And as Lance and I will talk about later, I don't want to get too much into the trade. That's going to be a big chunk of our um, show tonight. But for me, it's I hated how people like Ryan Kellerman says, how Ryan Clark, I'll put it on the screen there, Ryan Clark said he hated the trade. Again, why would you hate this trade? I'll, I'll go as far as saying that the last five, Steelers first round picks have not been very good outside of Devin Bush, who you traded up to get TJ Watt. Other than that, really, really, we're talking about these first round picks, Trell Edmonds, most considered a reach. Artie Burns didn't pan out. They didn't pick up his fifth year option. And Bud Dupree, come on, I'll take a proven commodity in Minka over a questionable prospect not to mention this Steelers team could still win some games there's no guarantee that this draft pick that everyone was saying is oh, they could be a top five pick I don't if this Steelers had a, had a potential top five pick next year I would be absolutely stunned absolutely stunned based on the fact that I think this team is still going to be very competitive I think they're still going to win some games I'm not suggesting that they're going to be in the playoffs or anything like that, but I think they're still going to win some games. They're going to be around 500, and they're, they're, therefore they'll be right in the middle of the pack where they normally are. They're not going to get the high-level prospect, yet they're not going to be at the tail end. It's just the way it is. You're getting a proven commodity. I like it. I'm okay with it. And you know the Steelers, they have some picks in the later rounds that they can always move around. They can always try to trade up, trade back, but... I think that this player is a player that's going to be here for the long haul. And so, like I said, I don't want to get too much into this, but I want to kind of get that off my chest. I wrote that in the article. A lot of people agreed that this trade had nothing to do with Ben Roethlisberger. This trade didn't have, have, didn't have everything to do with 2019. This trade was about the future. This was about finding a player that could actually show up 
play well. He's proven that he can play well and can stay with the team because they'll have control of him three years after this year. So for me, that's why I like the trade. And I'm excited. I'm excited for this Sunday. I'm excited for the rest of the season. And I think you all should be excited too. And I know you have questions and I want to answer your questions. And before we get to those questions, I want to make sure that you all understand something about all of our shows here on this platform, which on YouTube, if you go to youtube.com, search BTSE Steelers Radio, you can find all of our shows. A lot of you use the Super Chat feature. And we really, really, really appreciate the Super Chat feature uh, where you donate money to the show. But understand that we also have a rundown to do. We have a rundown of items that we want to talk about before we get to the Q&A. And so I'm not suggesting that you don't donate money to the show. I'm suggesting that wait till the end and we'll announce when we're going to start answering questions. Then throw your uh, super chat in because a lot of people were getting upset, I guess, on another show that it wasn't getting answered. We've got stuff to talk about. We want to keep the flow of the show going. We will be keeping an eye on the live chat and pop some, you know, we'll move some comments onto the screen and stuff of that nature. Just, just so you know. Okay. So, um, that was just my two cents on, uh, that. So let's bring in my co-host here. Lance Williams is the man with the plan. Just got home from work. Still looking all spiffy. And I disagree with what anything Jeff just said. Ah. If, if you give me some money, you go on first in line. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Mason and Minka show. I'm Jeff Hartman. Mason, this is my partner, Minka, a.k.a. Lance. So, Lance, yes. I just went uh talked a little bit about uh, how I think there should still be some excitement about this Steelers team. And that doesn't necessarily mean that the expectations are they're going to go and win out. You know, there's a lot of comparisons between when Ben Roethlisberger was inserted into the lineup and now when Mason Rudolph is inserted into the lineup. It was both week two, Tommy Maddox against Baltimore. Ben came in, played well, but they lost. He rattled off 14 in a row. Ben goes down with an elbow. Mason plays well, but they lost. Is he going to rattle off 14 in a row? I don't think so. But I was explaining how both with Minka and with Mason Rudolph, at least you're going to, to me, you're going to get to see something that you haven't seen. You're going to get to see, like, it, is there some promise with this kid? Uh, how is Minka Fitzpatrick gelling with the defense? Lance, do you agree with me, or am I just the eternal optimist when I say that there's a little bit of excitement about this Steelers team now that there wasn't a week ago? First of all, for all the people that put those parallels together, and this is a wonderful age in terms of the internet. It's much easier to do that as to when that actually happened. Like somebody probably put those points together within like 30 seconds of the injury, right? It was, it was it right just, here. It was in my head. I was well, thinking it as it happened. Yes, yes, I will. Well, you're exceptional then. Mr. Jeff, so, uh, Mr. Soda Popinski. Yeah, yes, exactly. Mr. <laughs> Soda Popinski. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very enthusiastic about for this year moving forward because I did a show a long time ago. I think it might've been my second. Yeah, I said it. And I talked about why the Steelers should not restructure Ben Roethlisberger. And to boil it down to the main point was you bring Ben back without the weapons, his offensive weapons, that it's more rinse and repeat. Uh, that, you know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and think you're going to get a different result or outcome. Bring, I mean, look, bring, Ben's had a great career here. Bringing him back, this roster, this set of weapons was rinse and repeat. 
uh, unfortunately, um, after, you know, I thought it was going to be rinse and repeat. I mean, the goal is to win championships in Pittsburgh. That's rinse and repeat. So I think at least we get to see what it will look like in the future. And if we should get to that future immediately or the team should wait. And that's a tease kind of to my Friday. Yeah, I've said it. And my Friday, yeah, I said it is simply, I hope Mason Rudolph plays Ben Roethlisberger into an early retirement. If you're a Steeler fan, like you say you are because you're listening to the show, you want Mason Rudolph to ball out this year. Because if he does, guess what you just found? Your quarterback of the future. And guess what that provides you? Opportunities to continue to chase that team up north because Brady's playing the 50. I'm sorry. He's playing the 50. <laughs> Brady Van Winkle. He's not retiring. He eats avocado ice cream. Jeez, he's not retiring. He has like 28% body fat, but he still eats avocado ice cream and does TB12. And hits wide over wide receivers. We need the next guy. And this is an opportunity for the Steelers to try to find that next guy. And hopefully it's Mason Rudolph. Yeah. And um why asking Trey gives a dollar ninety-nine the tip jar says, I'm excited to see the young guys not know better. It's it's gonna be interesting. And and trust me, folks, this is Mason Rudolph's first NFL start. Don't judge it all on one game, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's going. Gonna, <laughs> it's going to be about as cute as Biz Markey. That, he's that's... he's going to go across country. The Steelers struggle on the West Coast. We all know that. That's very well documented. And they're still going to have their feelers out for what's going to work well, what's not going to work well. I guarantee you that the uh, the offensive playbook is going to be condensed into plays that Mason Rudolph is comfortable with. But you know, the funny thing is, is if you listen to Mason Rudolph, who is ridiculously articulate and he reminds me when he speaks to the media of Sidney Crosby of the Penguins um, he tells you what you want to know but he doesn't tell you everything he's not you know throwing guys under the bus he's very very good with it he, they asked him you know what changed and he said I went to Randy and told him some plays that I was comfortable with and we kind of stuck with those plays well hell the create a new playbook because those plays against Seattle now granted they had no prep for him but it, it, it looked like it flowed well Randy Feetner was calling the plays and he was running plays that Mason was comfortable with and they were working. Lance, I mean, you agree? I'm going to agree with your initial point of the condensed. I'm going to agree and disagree. I'm going to agree by disagreeing with your point that the playbook will be condensed. It will be condensed, but it will look drastically different. Yeah. So it won't look condensed. Right, we're <laughs> going. I, I see what you're saying. You, you see I what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. We're going to see plays that they don't run under Ben Roethlisberger, and me and Dave talked about it at nauseum this week. Play action. You will see a play action pass. You will actually see a quarterback turn his back to the line of scrimmage, relocate a receiver, and throw the ball with rhythm and timing. That is something we have not seen in years. So it will look, it will be condensed, but it won't look like it's condensed because you'll see elements of the offense that have dust on it. 
Why do you think that is, though? If, in case, just a guess, because no one knows for sure. But why do you think the Steelers? Because Ben used to be a very good play action passer, and that was I think back to when I think of his best play action, it was the 2005 playoffs, and that was when they went to Indianapolis in the AFC divisional game, and that was when play action just torched them. I remember them hitting that first drive. They hit Heath Miller like two or three times down the seam on play action, and then it's just like recently when Feetner maybe the end of Haley, but they just got rid of play action altogether. Why is that? I mean, my guess would be, and I could put my feelers out to try to get the answer, but my guess would be health. I, I, I'm thinking it's a health issue that maybe, what you know, maybe there's some issues like because when he's he has to drop. I mean, he has to get into that. He has to be under center. He has to drop. I think it's a combination of maybe some health issues. And that he just sees the better, he sees the field better when everybody is spread out and the coverages and the different things that defenses can do to you are way more simplified. You put a mul- you put multiple wide receivers out in a route. I mean, defenses can't be terribly deceptive because you've got to cover everybody. I mean, it, it, I mean, if you put five guys out in a route, I mean, they got to cover them at some point in time. So. It makes defenses far more predictable. Um, it makes it easier for you. Um, and I don't think Ben likes the running game. So you got to run the football to kind of make play action effective. So, you know, it, it, here's the thing, Jeff. Okay, he, he hurts his elbow, right? He's yeah. out for the year, right? Did he stop throwing the ball? No. Threw a deep pass, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Does that sound like a guy that appreciates and understands what the running game does for you? No, no, it doesn't. Exactly. So, so there okay. you go. He doesn't, he doesn't like the running game. You kind of got to run the ball to establish play action. Those are some of the reasons. Health. He doesn't like the running game. Easier to read defenses. Pick your choice. Okay, so we're, we're talking about Mason Rudolph. And I, I just want to answer this question. And, and Big H puts $2 in the tip jar, and I wanna, he kind of brings it up. Now, Lance, this is about Rudolph and James Washington. You know, the chemistry is palpable between these two guys because they played college football together for four years, and now they're in the NFL together. You've seen them in the preseason connect. If this team does not have James Washington on the field, second only to Juju Smith-Schuster on Sunday, I might blow a gasket, period. (laughs) If Mongrief starts... I don't think he, there's no way he can. Because if, Ma, he, if Mongrief starts opposite on the outside of Juju, as a fan of the team and as guys that cover the team and do this, we have to question are they serious about winning? Right. Because the, the, the Rudolph just has a feel for where Washington's going to be. He knows how he likes the. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And as a, someone that never was like a, a quarterback that had a receiver that was always with him, all the. You just see it. You can see it. And you saw it with uh, Roethlisberger and, and Mr. Third and Fifth at times where they just had that uncanny connection, and that's what you see there. Washington's got to play. And the guy's hand, fingers aren't bent <laughs> in the opposite direction. I mean, his hands aren't mangled. I mean, it feels as if Mongrief's hands are mangled, that he's hurt. But somehow, you know how professional athletes are. They will themselves through this. They can practice. They're available. They're making plays in practice. They tell you you can go. They can go. They get out there. 
it hits a finger that's already bent the wrong direction. Then it hits the face mask. Then it hits another guy's hands <laughs> whose fingers aren't bent, but they have on a different color jersey. I agree with what Shutdown says. He said Washington and Johnson, he's referring to Deontay Johnson, should start over Mongrief and Switzer. Yes, yes, and yes. And yes. it's, it, it comes back to what we said at the beginning when Lance came back, and that's let's see what these young guys have. Deontay Johnson had a rookie drop last week against the Seahawks where it was a pass over the middle, and then he had a tremendous catch on third down to convert and move the chain. So, Speaking of Switzer, the electric football man. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, days it was fine. What's, what's his role on the team now? Should he um, be on the- is, about is there, is there any point that he should be on like well, his, no, my, his, my role his role was going to be either about to be cut or about to be inactive because they even threw Deontay Johnson back there to return punts so if he can return punts he can return kicks heck kickoffs you just let it go in the end zone so I don't you know what you know where he's on. at now he he's he's at that point like you know I know we got listeners that work in corporate America when uh, you have an advocate that gets you a job in corporate America. They vouch for you. They bring you in. That guy gets canned. <laughs> you go too. So when your man is gone, you got to go with him because you're his guy. You were his hire. So his <laughs> man is gone. He's out of there. He's updating his LinkedIn profile as we speak. <laughs> yes, he out of there. He's got fast feet. He could train young athletes. Agility training, just not north and south. Yeah. I, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. But you know how else I'm excited? And I, I'm actually kind of disappointed about this. So today was Minka Fitzpatrick's first um, practice. And so he was wearing number 39, a la Fast Willie Parker, a la Derek yeah. Perry back in the day. Anyways, so he's wearing 39. And I'm like, you know what? I'm thinking about the numbers. I could, I could see myself wearing a Minka Fitzpatrick jersey. But, nice reference to Darren Perry, though. Nice reference. You're welcome. And so then I think to, I, I find this out via the comment section of my article on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com that players. So I always thought that he would just say, "Hey, Cam Kelly, give me your jersey <laughs> because you have my number 29." That they can't change numbers in the middle of the season. So Cam Kelly can't give him his jersey until after the season. So. Anyone out there trying to buy a Fitzpatrick, make a Fitzpatrick jersey, you might have either a rare 39 because it'll be a different number next year, or you'll yeah. just look like a damn fool, one or the other. Yeah, so, so rare, it'll be worth like five cents. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, like I'm, it's that's not like a Michael Jordan 45 when he came back out of retirement. They wouldn't let him wear 23, so he wore 45. But Which I saw him play in that jersey in Cleveland, by the way. Anyways, um it's one of those situations where like I would I would be interested in getting a jersey, but I'm not gonna buy one now. I'm gonna wait until next year, I guess, and see. No, no, oh, yeah. in the li- in the live chat, you know, I, I, I'm gonna ask you guys to donate to Jeff so Jeff can get an authentic Nathan Rudolph. <laughs> oh yeah. Yes. Donate to Jeff. So <laughs> Where's Jeff Bo? Can- Bo's in the live chat. He owes me a jersey anyways. He said if he throws a touchdown, he buys it. So I so th- you got the authentic tier that's like what 200 bills, yeah. something like that. And then it's you have a then you have one that's under that that looks really good that's not authentic. I forget what those are called. Those are about a buck twenty, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Hey, live chat, hit that, hit that button. 
Jeff needs to get a buck 20. <laughs> so the next time we do a show on Sunday when Mason throws for 505 TDs, um, Jeff has on that, uh, <laughs> that, that Mason Rudolph. Come on now. Let's get to it, y'all. All right, so Shield91 asks, uh, what does Rudolph have to do for me to buy a jersey? He has to win a game. That's what I've always said. He's got to win a game. Whether it's San Francisco this Sunday or whether it's Monday Night Football against the Bengals at home, he's got to win a game. He had an, That was an alternative jersey that that guy had on his, his image picture, wasn't it? Wasn't that a gold? Yeah, that's one. Yeah. I, don't like. I don't like those. No offense, Shield. <laughs> I don't like that. That is kind of bright, Shield. <laughs> like, wow. That's bright gold. He's got to he's win a game. He wins a game, and I already know which one I want. I don't have a block number throwback. So I would get a Mason Rudolph block number throwback. Hint, hint. Very hint, nice. Very nice. <laughs> he's being as subtle as he can be. <laughs> this will be weird for me, though, because I only have number seven, and I got to wear something. I mean, you got to wear a jersey on game. Oh, day. that is right. That's the, Oh, yeah. Hey, man, just put some oil on your chest or something. <laughs> <laughs> just... <laughs> okay, let's get into <laughs> let's get into the Fitzpatrick trade because I know Lance it's something you wanted to break down. This is before we get to the game coming up. Um, what you let, let's you had a breakdown. You want to talk about this trade yeah, in a bunch of different ways. Yeah. Go ahead and go ahead and lead the well, way. Let, well, let's just get to the compensation first. Okay, Dolphins get the Steelers' twenty twenty first round pick, the Steelers' twenty twenty fifth round pick, and the twenty twenty first. Uh, sixth round pick. The Steelers get Fitzpatrick, the Dolphins 2024th rounder, and in 2021, the seventh rounder. So from your perspective, Jeff, simple question, was it too expensive? Are you fine with the level of compensation? Was it too expensive? No. What's your thought? I love it. (laughs) Love it. Based on the fact that, as I said this earlier, and I said this in an article, the Steelers drafting in the first round, they've not been um Sammy Sosa on steroids. In other Edmonds. words, they're not they're not, huh? We got like Edmonds, Edmonds so far. Burns, Burns, Dupree, Bud Dupree, Dupree Jarvis TJ, Jones. TJ slammed up. TJ and Devin Bush will give them will we'll give them the pass. Other than that, the last five first round picks, they've in my opinion, they've whiffed on three. So I will take a proven commodity, because I do think that even in his second year, he is a proven commodity. And I think the Steelers are going to let him play free safety and not move him all over the freaking defense like Miami did. And I think he can be a playmaker. I really do think he can be a playmaker. Um, And it does stink to get rid of a first-round pick. But the thing that I really like about it is that it's only a second year. They still have control of him for three more seasons at a very cheap price. And if they want to, let's say he balls out this year and next year, they can do what a lot of teams are doing now and give him an extension after that fourth year so that he's still staying in the system at a relatively cheaper price, I guess, than if he was about to hit free agency. I thought it was good. A lot of people misconstrued this as somehow – them going all in when Ben Roethlisberger, the day that Ben Roethlisberger was done for the year, I thought that was so far off base. This was a long-term trade. It meant the end of the road for Sean Davis, both this year and after, but I thought it was a good trade. He's a good football player, Lance. What were your thoughts? Yeah, speaking of the cost, in 2019, his cap hit is 3.7, 2024, 5.2. So he's absolutely affordable. You have him on a yeah. rookie deal. You know, the way I looked at it as I, I, I've had ch- a chance to kind of synthesize this, I mean, we've always talked about this on the show. I think quality football teams are those that eliminate unknowns. 
right? And then they know how to manage the knowns. So what I mean by that is when you have unknowns on your football team, there's no way to coach it. You have no idea how this guy's going to play, perform, whatever. As the more you eliminate those and you get knowns, you know how to manage it. You know what a guy can do. You can put him in position to be successful. Also, that translates to when you're trying to draft a guy. Known versus unknown. It is much easier to evaluate a known, especially a guy that had a draft grade that was much higher probably than Edmonds and or Davis. And they have game tape on him. Minka Fitzgerald is the first round draft pick in the 2020 draft. That's what he is. He's their first round draft pick. They just traded for him. I think if Steeler fans look at it from that perspective, it makes more sense. The only way you would be upset about this trade would be if you thought that the Steelers were in the quarterback business and potentially they go 4-12 and 12 and get an opportunity for Justin Herbert because Miami is going 0-18. Is going 0 and 18. Um, did they win a preseason game this year, Miami? I, I I couldn't tell you that. I don't if know. somebody on a live <laughs> chat could tell us, uh, because they're going to try try to go zero and twenty, right? They might be the first team in the football to go zero and twenty. That they they are going to win the two of sweepstakes because I think Brian Flores would run out there and sack his own quarterback if it meant that they would win a game. They are in total tank mode, so I like it from that perspective. They have dra- this is their 2020 first round draft pick, and I think people are quick to judge this without watching the guy play. Now, if he's a bust on the field, it's terrible. I mean, yeah. it's terrible. We all have to wait and see if the guy can play. Now, you alluded to Sean Davis. Sean Davis is gone. Yes. I mean, this is it. I guess the question will be, will Sean Davis play again this year or will he pleasantly? No, I shouldn't say pleasantly, or will he just never return from IR? I hope that he does come back this year. and I'll tell you why. He knows both positions in the deep safety, in in the deep end, deep half. And so if, if he's able to return, they can kick Cam Kelly to the curb and they could put Sean Davis as that, box in their heavy nickel package he can play close to the line of scrimmage which i think he's more comfortable in that position anyways if something were to happen to Edmonds, he could fill in at that spot too he still is a versatile piece he still could be a valuable piece i'm not saying he is great i'm not saying he's a future i'm not saying he has a future in the steelers organization but i hope he is able to come back and if the team is still hanging around that's it that's it jeff that's the point if they're winning I think it happens. Yeah. If, because he has to be out to at least week 10. That's what we said, yep. right? He has to be out eight at least weeks. eight weeks. Right. G- give me a record. Tease it for us. Give me a record. Do you think they'd have to be to bring him back off of IR? Going into week 11? Going into week 11. They've already, they, had, they would have their bye week already. So that would be 10 games going into, um, actually, it'd be nine games going into week 11. So I would say if they're around, shoot, I think even if they're five and four, they that's still can, winning. That's that's more wins and losses at that point, and that back half is pretty soft. So you're thinking if we can get Sean Davis back, we can have some vers- versatility from our bench and our, our packages. Then I think that um, 
So you're saying so you're saying by the bye, if they think they have a decent shot to get into the playoffs, they bring him back. If not, he's out for the rest of the year. Yeah, this is the worst case scenario for him. It, it's the worst case scenario for any player that's getting ready to hit free agency. <laughs> you yes, have a to- you have a you have a torn labrum in your shoulder. That's going to require surgery. He's going to have to rehab. It's going to take every bit of ten weeks probably for him to come back. That's if he can. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see. You know, the, the interesting the, they don't have to designate it anymore. I saw someone in the live chat saying I thought he was on season-ending IR. Everyone just goes on injured reserve, and then they can pull two players off at any time as long as they sit out for eight weeks. That's the new rule. So two players can come back onto the active roster from injured reserve, and they don't have to designate them like they used to. And the last time they had to do that was the year that Marquise Pouncey broke his leg. Did they uh, do that with the Castro as well? Yeah, but that was before that. Okay, so that was before when that, yeah. Pouncey broke his ankle against the Green Bay Packers in the preseason, and that's when he got those infections after the surgery, and he almost lost his leg, come to find out. <laughs> he never came back, and so everyone kept asking, when's Pouncey coming back? And they just said, oh, we have no update, blah, blah, blah. So um, I think Sean Davis, he can still be a valuable piece to the puzzle. Plain so speaking of, speaking of his injury, the torn labrum, and, and you know, giving your knowledge of that injury, is that an injury that occurs from contact? Probably so, so that happened in the game. You know what? I yeah. think I saw that play. And if anybody out there has the all 22 and get a chance to go look at it, look at the play where Rashard Penny ran the touchdown, ran for the touchdown on that play. Sean Davis was blocked by Russell Wilson. It wasn't a, it wasn't a violent block by any means because Russell Wilson isn't trying to knock anybody's head off or anything. But after, after they made contact, he kind of grabbed. Was it his left labrum? I I don't know which side. Uh, I don't think they said. He grabbed. He grabbed his arm. I think it was his left arm in a very weird way, sort of like where you know you kind of hit your funny bone wrong and you kind of grab your your arm or something because it feels kind of weird or kind of that motion where you tweak something and it feels a little strange and you grab. So he grabbed his arm in a really weird way and it kind of looked like his shoulder went dead on him. You know, like sort of like when you see guys' shoulders pop out. Like yeah. I can remember watching Chris Weber's shoulder pop out and he kind of had that lean where your shoulder is kind of hanging and he kind of had that. And I was like, man, I bet he got hurt on that play. But the weird thing in football is these guys are tough guys. I think he played the rest of the game. Yeah. I think he played the rest of the game. I can't remember. I know. A, a, a I, I think he, I think, Did he go out? I think Cam Kelly was on the field because it was that the, Cam Kelly was on the field for that defensive pass interference that was overturned. In the second half. Oh, then but, I, I bet that was when he got hurt because, because Cam Kelly yeah. ran. It was a really good play, actually. He ran right by the play, just kept going. Looked like an right. idiot. <laughs> Why would I look for the football and try to make a play on it? I'm just going to keep going. Just keep running. He and what, Brian Switzer can just uh, keep going. <laughs> what's your What's your sense of it on the site? I mean, do what's your sense of it? I mean, what are the fans saying on the site? Do they think of it's a bad what? trade? Do they think it was a bad trade? Was it too expensive? <laughs> I mean, what, what's, what's the general thought? Because fans love draft picks. Yeah, I think they, they do. And they love that, yeah, that imaginary guy that nobody knows who can play. It depends love on it depends on who you're talking to. So there are there are fans that are on our site every day, multiple times in the comment section, and in their signature underneath their comments, they already have their 2020 NFL draft mock draft. 
Wow. Like there's there's people that are obsessed. And so when you take that number one off and say you don't have one of those next year, they're pissed. They're like, well, what am I going to talk about from January or February, maybe? You never know. Mason Rudolph is quarterback now uh, until April. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> so those people are kind of ticked off. Me, I've never been I've never been a huge draft guy because I'm not a college football guy. You're the same way as I am, Lance. Yeah, I hate there's the just draft. so many players <laughs> and there's so many it's so many teams and so it's so watered down and people, people are like Jeff, haven't you heard of this guy that plays for this double A division two school in North Dakota? It's like, no, I didn't even know that school existed. <laughs> so, yeah, like yeah. like you know, Tacoma Bowl State. So I, I I think it's a great trade, right? Yeah. Given that clearly had a first round grade on the guy. Right, clearly, they had a first Every, round. Everyone, grade. everyone did. Everybody, everyone. right? Everyone. All like, thirty-two teams probably would have taken a first him. round. Exactly. Clearly, Sean Davis is not your future free safety. No. I mean, everybody knows that. Those two, those are facts. Like as young cats try to say now, facts. Those are facts. He was graded <laughs> higher. He's always been a better pedigree and a higher graded player than Sean Davis. Facts. Sean Davis is not the future free safety of the Steelers. Fact. Steelers don't draft DBs well. Fact. Fact. <laughs> Opinion will be he's an upgrade, but that's probably a fact, fact as well. So when you add all those things up, who cares if it's expensive? You've got a player that actually has game tape that makes it much easier for you to evaluate that you can pencil in. Now, do you think this – now, I'm hearing all the talking heads out here talking about how this is the Steelers are still in go mode this year, very much so. This is why they did the trade and done. I, I thought this trade was really done more so for Sean Davis and the ability to replace Sean Davis with a quality football player moving forward on the cheap that they graded out as a really good football player. I I, I don't my, the connection to Ben Roethlisberger situation isn't as strong for me what are your thoughts jeff i uh, yeah i mean this has i said this before you came on with us so this has nothing to do with ben that's what i hated espn and all these sports they're like oh my gosh they're still in it and this was like you said is a long-term thing sean davis was a free agent next year they saw it and an opportunity to upgrade at the position and replace at the position for long-term no-brainer but I want to take a moment, Lance, and we know this guy from way back. Melvin, our buddy Melvin, finally catches a live show. Mel, yes, <laughs> what's happening, Mel? Yes, yes, yes. Back from the blog talk radio days when he yes. used to call in drunk down in Texas after a big Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> Mel's married now, so, you know, Mel had to calm down. Congratulations, <laughs> Mel. Mel's Congratulations. married Congratulations. There you go. You know, you know. Hey, you better say that enthusiastically, Jeff. You know, this is recording. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about the upcoming game. Now, Lance, someone asked earlier in the live chat, this was literally like 20 minutes ago, Lance, are you going to the game? Because you live in California, and you're not far from the Bay Area. They want to know, are you going to the game on Sunday? You guys are going to bash me, but unless I get a, uh, some tickets for free in the next couple of days... I'm not going to the game <laughs> for, here, for free. <laughs> here, here, here's here, or or if I get an opportunity to get some tickets, I'm not going. Okay. To the game. Here's the reason why: I have not seen the Steelers win a football game 
in the Bay Area since the last time they won in the Bay Area is in 1999 against the San Francisco 49ers. I was at that game, and they won. I got rained on for four quarters. I was saturated, wet. It was terrible, but they won. That's the last time that they've won in the Bay Area. They've beaten San Diego. They beat San Diego in San Diego. So that was so that was probably the last time they won in California is when they went down there and beat San Diego. But I've watched at least three Niner losses and probably like four Raider losses, including the one last year. So I've gotten beaten into submission. So where I'm like, look, I'm not I'm not going to waste my time. Hey, man, like I don't believe in historical stats, but I believe in that one because I've spent like a, I've paid money for a bunch of tickets to see them get beat up in the Bay Area. So I'm not going to the game. The other thing is I've seen the Steelers in so many different scenarios. The only thing I'm looking forward to is watching the boys play in the Super Bowl. That's it. Once I go see them in the Super Bowl, that'll be my last time I go to a live game. Speaking of going to live games, uh, Felicia, I haven't seen her in a while, but she's back. $5 in the tip jar. She said, man, I thought I'd be seeing Ben at my first home game, but I'll be seeing Mason's first home game as our number one quarterback. That means she'll be going to the Monday night game, which let me tease this. Behind the Steel Curtain is giving away two tickets to that Monday night game in Pittsburgh, Monday night game, Cincinnati Bengals. You got to tune in tomorrow night. Steelers preview to find out how to win them. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say we're giving away tickets free, free tickets, Lance. Yeah, it's bungles that's, though, but you know, but it's that's, free. That's Monday night's prime time, man. Yeah, I mean the bungles are worth free, so. So you got, yeah. I mean, you're gonna have to go. I mean, that's number one. I mean, you know that if you're, you're gonna try to get the tickets, then. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So I'm not going to the game. Long story short, <laughs> I'm probably not going to the game unless something changes, and it's and it's Wednesday, so I don't know if something's going to change. Uh, so I may be there. It, it it happened for me last year. I didn't have a ticket to the Raider game until like Saturday night. And yeah. I got a free ticket last year and I went to the Raider game. I, I knew I was going at 10 p.m. on Saturday night. So it could happen. You could. Yeah, it could. All right. Um, so here we go. Let's talk about the game coming up. Uh, it, it's so difficult to predict this game because we don't know what it's going to look like, especially offensively. Um, but here we have the Steelers recipe for success, which is kind of like the headline of this show. And this is something that you and Dave basically talked about a ton via text message. And I just chimed in with let's go Mason every five minutes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my expert analysis. Um, so my question is, let's talk about the offense first. If the offense is going to change, we both assume that it is going to change. What is going to be the main factors for that change to see, to allow the Steelers to still win and put up points Sunday and moving forward? Like, what are some of the keys? No, James Conner is saying he's going to play. I haven't seen that he's practiced this week, but I he know did, that he's he here. didn't practice today. They gave him off, which was kind of expected. We'll see what he does Thursday. Yeah, you know, because the Tomlin rule, pretty much, you've got to you've got to practice once during the week, right? Yeah, at least once. It's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. But here's the thing: I know that's going to be different in this offense. You are going to see play action. Melvin's uh, got to hit a nail on the head. You, you, you're going to see play action, right? And you are going to see 
the pass-run-run-pass ratio be really different. Now, I'm not going to suggest you're going to see 70% run, 30% pass. But what you're going to see is what Jeff calls for every week, balance. And what you're not going to see is what it was when Ben Roethlisberger was the quarterback. 80% passing, 20% running. So I think it's so bad that uh, I believe Seattle ran the ball more times last week than the Steelers had run in the first two games. So the Steelers from running backs alone had only run the ball, had run the ball less than 30 times from running backs. And I think all told, when you include quarterback runs, it was also less than 30. They were at an 80 to 20 pass to run mix, which is ridiculous. So that will change. So I think with that, I think you'll see play action, running game, and I think you will see less shotgun, less 11 personnel. I don't think you're going to see many four wide receiver sets. They'll be less spread out. There'll be less shotgun, some more stuff under center. It'll look more like a traditional offense than 11 personnel, you know, four wide receiver, 10 personnel exclusively with Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, uh, and, and this is something we'll talk about on the Steelers preview tomorrow night. Uh, people talk about production. They immediately think of fantasy football. Um, if I'm picking up a player that it could possibly really reap the benefits of Mason Rudolph, it's number 89, Vance McDonald. Because if you think back to Ben's early stages of his career, who was his safety blanket? Heath Miller. Exactly. And you could see it already that they're going to have Vance on the field a lot because like what Lance said, they're not going to run certain personnel packages as much. They're going to want to have the heavier guys out there to block. That's when you can run play action. That's when you can hit him down the seam. And then you throw in the fact that you have James Washington out there. And if they can get that Washington connection going and not force it, that's key. Don't force it. But if they can get that going, my goodness, it could open up things for guys like Juju James Conner should have some room to run. If you watch, and I actually went back and watched some of the film on Game Pass Lance. I mean, both weeks this this season, the defense has really dared the Steelers to throw it deep. I Absolutely, mean, they are they were clouding crowding the line of scrimmage and just saying we are going to stop the run and you're going to have to beat us deep because we don't think you have someone that can do it. And the, every time they took a shot, it was to Johnny Holton. I, th that was it. You know, I mean, it, it never made sense. That's an interesting indictment on Juju. Juju got the deep ball on the flea flicker, but that's an interesting indictment on Juju is when you try to stretch the field, you don't do it with Juju. Well, Juju's, yeah. not a, Juju's not a burner. I never would see him. He, if you think back to his 97-yard touchdown receptions, they weren't beating how about the man down. How about, how about combat catching, though? You know, you get oh, isolated yeah. and you combat catch on a go route. And, you know, you don't get a ton of separation, but you come back, catch it. Maybe you make a catch. And it's very interesting, though, that they didn't. There were, here was the one thing. Well, we'll get to it when we when we break it down on the defensive side of football when it comes to Minka Fitzpatrick. But So we'll ask that question when we break down the defense. But I don't know if – did you watch the game against Cincinnati, San Francisco's game against Cincinnati, Jeff? I haven't seen any of it, to be honest with you. Now, if any of you guys on the, in the live chat – this might seem like a bit of hyperbole. On offense, they're darn near as fast as Kansas City. But it looks a little bit different because their running backs 
might be the most explosive set of backs I've seen in a while. I mean, you look at Breida, you look at Moser, even Wilson Jr. I mean, those guys can look at those guys. The top three running backs, Breida, I might be pronouncing Moser's name wrong, and Wilson Jr. Um, I mean, they have longs. They all have longs of over 20 yards and multiple longs of over 20 yards. I really think the key in this game is can the Steelers contain the Niners running game? They absolutely beat Cincinnati to death. I think they ran for close to 270 yards on Cincinnati. And we saw a couple of runs off tackle that were busted on the Steelers um, last game, which with the explosiveness of their backs, that's going to be dangerous. Well, and if you notice, the Steelers, when they're getting gashed by the run, it's typically against their lighter packages. Um, it's when they're taking, like, Stefan to it off the field. And whether it's yeah, I, one play in particular, I think it was Penny last. Uh, it wasn't the touchdown run. He had another big run on, like, third and 12 or second and 12 for first. And, two, it was off that Hargrave was on as the end. And he didn't – he got one-on-one. On one. They took care of him. And next thing you know – TJ Watt gets pushed up the out the arc, and there it is, one on one with a defensive back, and he's off to the races. So let, let me give you the stats, Jeff. That the Niners had against the Bengals. They ran it forty-two times. First of all, we'll never see the Steelers run it forty-two times. <laughs> Rita, Moser, and Wilson, and this is because you know their number one running back is hurt for the Falcons last year. He's hurt. And so these are the backups. Breida, 12 attempts, 121. Moser, 13 attempts, 83. Wilson, 10 for 34. They ran it 42 times for 259 yards. That's crazy enough. Jimmy G had seven completions. And I'm going to just round it up for 300 yards. Yikes. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, come on, man. I mean, that, they are explosive. They are highly coordinated. And it's going to be a battle. And the reason I think it's going to be a battle, and it leads to the point that I had before, is with Kevin Colbert. Not Kevin Colbert, excuse me. With, uh, with Keith Butler in this defense and the communication issues that we've seen in this defense and the communication issue and the bust I showed you, Jeff, when I sent you those images in the email. With an offense like this, that is so multiple, tons of different formations, zone reads, uh, jet sweeps, uh, zone runs, inside inside zone, guys pulling, uh, trickeration plays, explosive players, and a defense with communication issues, this is tough, but give and, and, and couple that with the fact that you're putting in a new player in Minka Fitzpatrick that will probably play in every package because Sean Davis played in every package. Brighten it up for us, Jeff. Brighten it up for us. I mean, it's it's tough to to. I mean, I think defensively the Steelers 
are, could be coached better. We'll put it that way. And that's something you were alluding to. I said it multiple times against the Seahawks. Stop blitzing Hilton off the edge. It's so stupid. And that's exactly what you pointed out. And that when you sent me the still shots earlier today via email, it said right when Hilton blitzed, they went right over top of the DK Metcalf for a nice healthy gain. So um, the Steelers are going to have to be smart defensively. And maybe, just maybe, the fact that Minka is new will cause them to be more simplistic. And that doesn't mean vanilla. That just means simplistic, more a simpler version of defense. Go ahead, Lance. You want to say something? Frick, that's vanilla. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't watch <laughs> I, I tell you what. People talk about the best divisions in football, and everyone always brings up, you know, the NFC East, although that's a joke, I think. Um, people talk about the NFC North because of the the Bears and the Packers and the Lions, and the Vikings are decent. Don't forget about the NFC West. They're, they're all that you Seattle's good. San Francisco is much improved. We know that the Rams were a Super Bowl team last year. I mean, the Cardinals, they're obviously the the cellar dwellers of that division, but that's just a tough division. Well, so we know it ain't for me, I haven't. We know it's not. <laughs> no, no. So, no. So for me, I mean, I look at this game and I don't know much about San Francisco. I need to go back on Game Pass and watch some of their games. I agree. I, I, I believe everything that you say about how dynamic they are offensively. But, you know, it's, there are times where the Steelers, they typically have a game. And I'm not saying it's going to be this game where things just click defensively they're stopping the run they're making teams one-dimensional we haven't seen it yet that doesn't mean it's impossible so to put a, a positive spin on this no one thinks the Steelers can win this game like no one does I, I, I there are seven point underdogs on the road that might that might have even gone up I'm not sure um, I know you, it, it's, I, know you, I know you're not picking against them We'll have to find out. We'll have to wait and see. It might be a new, you know, new sheriff in town, Mason Rudolph. It might be a new Jeff. You never know. Well, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. We'll have to wait till the prediction part. A so, little teaser there. Yeah. So, okay. So here's my last question about the defense. So it's obviously going to be with the, with, um, you talked about the running backs and how dynamic they are on the ground. This is a game that Vince Williams sees a lot of time if he's healthy, right? Now, he missed practice today with a hamstring. But if he's healthy, you want him out there, correct? I don't know because they got the outstanding tight end. I mean, they got Kittle. the tight end. I mean, Kittle. they got Kittle, who's quite possibly the best tight end in football. If you can get Kittle isolated on Vince Williams, I don't think you want that. I think you want the fastest set of guys out there possible. Now, Joe Staley is out. Unfortunately, with Joe Staley being out, he's the left tackle. Oh, who's, man. Who's going up against the left tackle? Dud. So maybe the Steelers Steelers don't typically flip-flop those guys, but maybe it's a case where you can confuse that guy. Maybe you flip-flop the guys. Maybe to try to get T.J. Watt matched up on whoever the backup is going to be for San Francisco. I doubt they do that, but maybe because you bring in a backup offensive lineman there's some continuity issues, and you can really get after it. I think the front is going to have to play really well. I think the front is going to have to play like they did in the first half. I mean, by no means is San Francisco, you know, unbeatable. It's just that the Steelers are in a very interesting way right now. 
I mean, they're going out west, like you said. You got the new quarterback. You've got a new free safety. You know, Vince Williams is banged up. You've got a defense right now that is really struggling to communication issues. That's given up 31 points per game. I mean, 31 points per game. San Francisco is red hot at home in the home opener. This is one of those times where the Steelers just might surprise you. It's going to be real tough, though. Well, I, and it sounds it's a cliche, but th- this game will be won in the trenches. But it's true. If the Steelers' offensive line can open up holes for James Conner and they can run the ball and they control the tempo and they keep that dynamic offense of the 49ers on the sideline and finish drives with touchdowns and not field goals, they will have a shot in the end. And, and, and by proxy on the opposite side of the field, if you have a defensive line that is not just getting pressure on Jimmy G, but is also stopping the run at the same time, you're going to give the Steelers a chance. If you think back to last week, and I just thought of this, I can't believe I just thought of this. It's kind of the tale of two halves. In the first half, the offense did absolutely nothing, and the defense was dominant. And then you flip the script in the second half. The defense couldn't stop anyone, and the offense was finally starting to generate something. So it'll be interesting. Before we get to our predictions, here's a $5 question. Puts five bucks in the tip jar. Nicholas says, when do you guys think the Steelers will finally realize Ryan Switzer, a.k.a. Electric Football Man, does it make an impact on offense? I'm going to go ahead and say I that think, if they haven't, right they, there, if they haven't figured it out now, <laughs> they never will. <laughs> Do you disagree with that? Uh, yeah, I'm going to disagree slightly. If they lose the next couple of games, he's out of here. I, I think uh, it just, he has no role at this point anymore. Like I just, you know, maybe Rudolph develops a rapport with him. Uh, maybe he's an underneath safety blanket where he gets, you know, zero yards after the catch. He literally catch, he catches it and falls and falls to the side. <laughs> so, but I think he's I, I think he's going to get waved. Uh, I, answer, I think answer I think this question, waved. Lance. Would you give up sacks for run stops on defense? No, I would not. I'll take sacks. I'll, I'll take sacks because I'm going to assume they're going to play the run halfway decent. I'll take stat. I'll take sacks. Because sacks typically are drive killers. And so you're only going to get a certain amount of possessions. So if I can eliminate some possessions, then absolutely I'll take the sacks. Will Mongrief see the field this Sunday? I'm going to say no. Really? No, none. I think he's going to be a scratch. Ooh, boy, that'd be a slap in the face for a guy you just pumped two two years and a bunch of million dollars into. Don't just say he's hurt. Yeah, but he has to be on the injury report, and I don't think he was. Dave Schofield's in the live chat. He could tell us if he is. I haven't read the article yet. I've seen the hurt report. Ego. His ego is hurt. His <laughs> ego is he's got a bruised ego. So, yeah. I, why not? Like, like, Look, why not? Play, play, play Deontay Johnson. Uh, let me get to this one. Knight Rider. Lance, explain why we played so well on both sides of the ball in the Panthers game last year. That was a Thursday nighter. That was where they gave up the opening touchdown to Christian McCaffrey. Everyone thought, yeah. here we go again. And what does Ben do first play? Touchdown to Juju, and the doors got blown off. You know, I think some of that was Thursday because they caught Carolina on Thursday, short week of prep. And it's one of those games that just – and you've seen them, Jeff. I mean, you've coached, you've watched games. At, you know, a couple of big plays here and there, and all of a sudden – it's over. 
You know, before you look up, you look up, it's 28-7, and a team is like, wow, this game is over. And it's on Thursday. Short, you know, short rest, short break, nobody's healthy, limited game plan. You really don't have time to prepare, and you get blasted. It was one of those games. Okay, here we go. That's a good one for you, Lance. How many times do you think the Steelers run the ball this week? Well, considering they ran it 25 times, like in two games, I'm going <laughs> to guess they run it 25 times in one game. Ah, that's a good guess. I like that guess. Ah, 75. They get the 75 rushing attempts in three games. They're not running the wheels off. That's for sure. They 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 said we're gonna prove Lance wrong. We're not gonna run the wheels off of James Conner. It'll be this, Jeff. It'll be this, Jeff. When you have a quarterback, even as good as Ben, who's kind of set his ways in terms of what he wants to do offensively, how he wants to approach it, and at a certain point, him and the OC, it's a partnership, right? It's it, it's this. Oh, you want to run this? You want to. This has to be exciting to a certain perspective to the coaches. Like Randy Feetner actually can run his offense. He can kind of call games as he sees fit. He's not having to acquiesce to the player. That's why this is so exciting because it's going to be a – it's like a different freaking team. I mean, this is literally – Ben was the last guy from the old regime, and he's gone. He's gone. There's no one else. This is a new team. Like This is a chance for, I look at this as a chance for guys like Cam Hayward, Marquise Pouncey, all these other guys that want to lead the team, they get to do it their own way now. You know, They don't have to listen to Seven talk about being a band of brothers. They can say whatever they want. Not that that's bad, but they don't have to, they don't have to listen to anyone else. And the coaching staff, Randy Feetner's got to be saying, well, it sucks that I don't have my best quarterback available, but you know what? This is going to be my game plan. Hey, it's Ben, be go my sit game plan. Box. Ben, go sit in the <laughs> box so they don't hit your elbow. <laughs> exactly. I don't want people to take my excitement as I'm happy that Ben Roethlisberger is hurt because I think that Ben Roethlisberger still, if he's healthy, which it didn't, I guess in hindsight, maybe he wasn't healthy in week one and two. Um, maybe he, I feel he still thinks he gives them the best chance to win a Super Bowl, even though he wasn't playing well. But at the same time, there's something exciting about the unknown. And to use some of your analogies, Lance, it's like if you have a girlfriend for a really long time, and then all of a sudden something else comes around and you're like, man, I just, I just want to know what it's like to, you know, I just want to know what that's, and then you get a chance. This is their chance. You, you know, this is this is, you know, they're they're treating their insanity. Yeah. You know, like I mean, I'm on record as saying this was rinse and repeat, right? Although I was optimistic, but this was rinse and repeat. I think Ben, it is in the air in the part of his career where he needs outstanding weapons to continue to run this offense. He's had outstanding weapons throughout his career. He has had incredible offensive talent. He has not been put in a position where he had to really carry an offense, where he had to play very structured, disciplined, on-time football. He's been blessed with incredible athletic guys, incredible playmakers around him over his career. And that's not his fault. That's a good thing. You need good ball players to win. 
But uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be different. I'm actually, in a weird way, Jeff, I'm actually more excited now than I was after watching the first two weeks. That's what I said at the beginning of the show. This is an excitement yeah. I haven't felt all season. Like, like I this get... is weird. Like, I'm really like, man, I have no idea what's going to happen on Sunday. <laughs> I know. <laughs> man, get the I'm, popcorn ready. I'm seriously sitting there like, man, 425, I'm excited for this. Normally, it's like, uh, here we go, 425, let me get my computer. Now it's like, yeah, let's, yeah, let's go. 11 let's go. personnel, let's... short routes. Mason and uh, Minka, here we go. Who's going to make a play first? <laughs> I'm going to get impatient, and I'm going to throw a deep ball <laughs> on third and one. It's not going to happen, man. It's not going to happen. They're we actually, did have a couple questions. They're going to actually run the ball, Jeff, on third and one. That's true. Okay, a couple questions here. We're going to do rapid-fire. I'll answer some of these. Didn't Bradshaw's career end on an elbow injury? Yes, it did. Um, I'm not sure if it was the same injury. We still don't know what Ben's injury actually was, if it was if he's going to require Tommy John surgery. Or if it's, I think it's 83. Yes. It's San Diego, I believe. That's a good year. I was born that year. Um, I was a teenager that year. That's <laughs> you, You're dating yourself. <laughs> Raymond says, do you think Ben will be on the sidelines every game? Well, this week is when he's getting the surgery, so I don't think he's going to be on the sideline this week. No. Um, no. I don't. And, I don't, and I don't think if I'm the coaching staff, I don't want him on the sideline. I think he will be. But I don't think they want him on the sideline. Yeah, I'd rather I, be there in, in during the week. Because he's got a rehab in the facility. I'm sure he'll I'm, I'm pretty sure he'll rehab in the facility. That makes sense, Jeff. He's gonna rehab on a golf course. <laughs> oh, my, oh Jeff. I don't know you anymore. <laughs> I, I don't know you. I don't know this, Jeff. He might just go into fat Ben again, where he's just eating every carb in sight and just depressed fat, and fat Ben again. <laughs> <laughs> you roll that all together. Fat Ben, <laughs> fat ben again. <laughs> Okay. Um, here we'll we'll do. Uh, okay, here we go. How many pounds will Ben gain? <laughs> Over under on pounds gained by Ben Roethlisberger. Forty. <laughs> Let's go to predictions. Let's go to predictions. That was a question that someone asked in the live chat. Who's gonna win? Um, what do you think, Lance? Do you want me to go first? Go ahead and go first, Jeff. Okay. So the spread currently, Dave Schofield updates it, is that this 49ers giving six and a half points. So the over-under, I'm not sure. Dave, if you're in the live chat, tell me what the over-under is. Um, but the, it's, four, it's six and a half points. First and foremost, I'm saying right now, if you're a betting man, take your money, slap it on the table, and say, I want the Steelers getting points. Because they might not win the game, but I like them keeping it close. Uh, very similar to last week uh, with when Mason Ruff came in, he was able to kind of rally the troops. I like this defense getting better with Fitzpatrick in the back end. I think he's a smarter player. And Dave is telling me the over-under is 44. Hmm. That's an interesting number. So I'm going to say take the Steelers getting points. The money line, which means straight up, this is where, is it new Jeff or old Jeff? It's Cowboy Jeff, Mason Rudolph, Oklahoma State. We're getting the freaking win on the West Coast. That's what I'm talking about. I'm going to take the Steelers to win on the money line by the final score of 30-30 to 28. Chris Boswell kicks it through the uprights as time expires. 30-28. to 28. That means that's how many, how many points? 58. Take the over. I say take the Steelers with points. Winning on the money line and the over. That's right. <laughs> Game winner. 
bang. I don't even know why we do predictions because pretty much like, <laughs> people pretty much know how you're going to predict and how I'm going to predict. Although I did pick the Steelers to win against the Seahawks, I, I think they're going to. I think they're going to get their ass whooped this week. But, <laughs> but I mean, look, I mean, what's like, the, well, what's your score? How do you see it going down? Uh, like thirty-one seventeen. Yikes! Uh, I think I think San Francisco will cover. Um, I, I take the over. Um, it's a lot of it's a tough trip, man. You got to go out west. Um, that's one thing. You got a new quarterback. That's one thing. Uh, the offensive line has not been playing well. Uh, that's another thing. San Francisco's front is talented. Buckner, uh, Bosa, Thomas. Uh, it's a talented. They're talented up front. You got Quan Alexander in the back end. I mean, it's just it's this is a discovery week. You're bringing in Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, he's a smarter football player. Butler's not a smarter coordinator. Um, this is a lot of moving elements and pieces this week. But it is a game that I think will be fairly close. But Mason Rudolph makes a mistake somewhere that the Niners are able to take advantage of. And then the game looks a little more lopsided. Um I think it's a tough place. I think they lose 31-17. They go 0-3. And, um, you know, a lot of people were drinking, will be drinking after the game and firing Tomlin. I got to say that I think the Cowboy connection will be strong. Those Oklahoma State Cowboys, Washington and Rudolph, they might pick up where they left off. You might see a (laughs) – I don't know about all that. If you're watching (laughs) – Raw hide. Mason and Minka, man. The future is now. Let's do it. The Steelers' future could be right here in front of us, Lance. That's exciting. That's exciting. Yes, uh, this this is weird. I I, I did not think we would both be equally excited (laughs) for the same reason moving forward. Like, I didn't think think that'd be the case, but we're both. What does that say, Jeff? Does that say that we really thought that the window was closed? but we were just trying to convince ourselves that it was really kind of still open. I can convince myself of anything with the Steelers. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the eternal optimist. I can convince myself that if they played the Patriots this week, that they'd find a way to win. Because in my mind, they can always find a way to win. I am the eternal optimist. You can talk to my dad. You can talk to my brother. You can talk to my wife. You can talk to my friends. I will always, always, always find a way in my mind to think that the Steelers are going to win the football game. The only thing, you know, one thing that also made me really happy when it came to football last week is I think Le'Veon Bell was crying on the sideline. <laughs> uh, me, what was his name again? Oh, Mr. Butt Naked and Rob. <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. I think he was crying on the sidelines when he realized their season is over. Yeah. Good luck with that. So we do have a couple of tip jars here to get to shield. 91 puts five bucks in the tip jar and says he watched the Bradshaw documentary on the NFL network. I did too. I know Lance did as well. He's wondering, how do you guys feel about Bradshaw and his complicated history with the Steelers? Go ahead, Lance. You were alive about that. All that stuff is rehashed. I mean, that stuff was really well documented. I mean, everybody kind of knew what was going on in Pittsburgh at the time. So it was nothing new there. Um, It was weird that they did not say Joe Gillum's name in the documentary because Joe Gillum was the guy that he lost his job to 
Um, so they should have said Joe Gillum. That was my only issue with the documentary. Joe Gillum had some demons. Yes, he did. <clears throat> um, and if you ever want to read a really good book about those Steelers, and I didn't, I wasn't alive for those teams. It's um, their life's work by Gary Pomerantz. It's a really, really well done book. It's worth every bit. Of, it's you can get it in paperback now. It's phenomenal. That is a tremendous read. If you do, even if you weren't alive for those teams. Read the book. I mean, he like you talk about Mike Webster and his post playing career, and he gets into all that. It's it's scary stuff, and but it's very well done, very well documented. The worst thing that happened to Joe Gillum is that Three River Stadium was near my neighborhood. Let's just say he was hanging out in my neighborhood, gotcha. not not doing the right things. Yeah, right. So. They say he was one of the best pure pastors they've ever seen. He could fire the freaking pigskin. So here we go, another $2 in the tip jar. He said, uh, love what Ben has done for us, but we need fresh blood. That's what they have. They've got their fresh blood. And All right. Uh, so uh, when you call for fresh blood, I'm excited about fresh blood, and I have low expectations. Keep your expectations low. If he's 15 for 48 in the game and throws for 125 and you see Duck Dynasty, <laughs> stay optimistic. Now, Nick – puts two bucks in the tip chart and says he wants to see those dance moves after the Steelers win on Sunday. So we'll have to hold you to that. <laughs> yes. But you know, the funny thing is, is in the last question, it was something that someone asked in the live chat earlier. I'd be curious if, if Mason Rudolph has this stat line, how like you'd be impressed with what stat line for Mason. It doesn't matter win or loss his performance. If he does, you know, certain attempts, certain completion percentage, what are you looking for? No turnovers. That's it. <laughs> Pretty much it. Protect, okay. the, protect the football. See, Field. You know what sucks is that he got that interception in, in last week. That wasn't on him. Yes. It goes down as an interception, but it hit off Moncrief's freaking face mask. Catch the football. Start start by protecting the football. Okay. That, that, baby, that, baby, that, steps. That's baby steps. Because you can't steps. win if you don't protect the football. No, but, but from a completion percentage, I like maybe about 60%. Um, you know, whatever that is. 17 of 26 or so that's probably around 60 percent shoot go uh, back to ben roethlisberger's rookie year give me a stat that line that looks like what his used to look like we're talking you know 15 of 23 maybe a touchdown no interceptions they run the ball well manage the ball don't turn it over like you said if you can run the ball that's the recipe for success if your defense can keep them off the field so there you go all right lance anything to add Oh, did you guys notice that adjusted lighting? Yeah, someone said it looks like you had uh, candles. In <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, man, I was, you know, I was depressed okay. about this game on Sunday, so I was doing the show in a darkened room. And so that 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 that's why. I don't have anything else for this game, Jeff, other than this is – here's the thing. What I, what I do want to say is – if Mason Rudolph is that guy and plays, let me ask you, Jeff. Yes. How well would Mason Rudolph have to play to put Ben's future with the Steelers in jeopardy? It wouldn't happen this week. Not no, 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 no. Over the course of this season, how how well would he have to play? I mean, he's not going to be Patrick Mahomes, no way, right? But how well would he have to play to where? The organization says we have our guy. 
If he Let's can start building around him, they're zero and two when he took over. If he can somehow get this team to nine and seven, ten and six, we're talking a potential playoff team. If he can get him into the postseason, and because it it would be all on him, it wouldn't be you know it's not like he Ben Roethlisberger won the first six games, then he comes in and takes over, and he already has six wins under his belt. No, he has none. And so if he can somehow manage to get this team into the postseason, or even vying for the postseason then I think that the, the organization has to be thinking, well, this kid played really well this whole season, essentially, and we're going to have some tough decisions to make. Let's, let's, let's tease that forward, right? Okay. We joked about no Ben, no Switz. No Ben, no Tomlin. Well, it depends. It, see, they, now they're kind of tied uh-huh. together because if, if, uh-huh. if Mike Tomlin gets his team to 10 and 6, and they win the let's say they win the AFC North. Let's say it's good enough to win the North, and they punch their ticket to the playoffs. You cannot fire Mike Tomlin after that, not after not, not after losing Ben for the year, and then you somehow get this team to win and without Antonio Brown, Mister Third and Fifth, and Butt Naked and Robbed, who hasn't been here in two years, anyways. So for me, like I, I look at that and say that I don't think there's any way. Now if they tank and finish four and twelve. And they say, but Mason Rudolph showed us enough that we like him moving forward. Then maybe Tomlin's on the hot seat. Hmm. Because, you know, I always see those guys as a package deal. If there's no Ben, there's no Tomlin, in my opinion. But you understand what I'm saying. You couldn't. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. You, could, you couldn't. You couldn't. And I don't think there's – you think there's a scenario in that case if they go 10-6, and six, Mason clearly shows that he's the next guy, that there's a case of there's Tomlin but no Ben. Yeah, how do you go back? That's my question. Yeah, you can't go back. Let's say that Mason Rudolph gets his team to 10-6. and six, They make the playoffs, whether it's a wild card or division, doesn't matter. They get into the postseason. He plays well. He has everything that you want in a quarterback. He's young, second-year guy. How do you go back? You can't. How do you, you can't I feel like you can't either. How do you go back and say, I'm sorry, Ben, um, you know, or sorry, Mason, you just played your butt off for 14-plus games. You got us into the postseason, but – Ben's back and he's the guy. I mean, that, I'd say, I just don't like that. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Yes, yes. I just wanted to go down a speculation train. <laughs> no, no, no. It's okay. It's good. It's good radio. It's good radio. So, all right. So listen up, folks. Tomorrow night, like I said, if, you're, if you've listened this far into the podcast, we're an hour and 17 minutes in. God bless you. We appreciate it. Um, and also, if you've listened this far, remember, tomorrow night, Thursday night, make sure you check out the Steelers preview where we tell you exactly how you can win free tickets to the Steelers' next home game, week four, Monday Night Football, against the Cincinnati Bengals at Heinz Field. Again, free tickets. So listen to the show, and we'll tell you all the details about it. Uh, Dave Schofield will be the man with the plan with that. And uh, make sure you check that out. So Lance, why don't you send us off? <laughs> somebody on the live chat told somebody to go back to playing Fortnite. Ooh, it's a little, <laughs> it got a little chippy in there. But with that... As always, listeners, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. Amen, brother. We will see you on Sunday for a Steelers postgame show. We'll also see you next week for another episode of The Standard is the Standard. And Friday. And Friday. Oh, that's true. Yeah, Friday show. Check it out. See ya.